The Insulone Podcast is brought to you by Cybionics, an emerging CGM brand that focuses on simplifying how individuals aged 18 and above monitor and control their blood sugar levels. Upon becoming available on the market, the Cybionics GS1 CGM has helped users worldwide navigate the complexities of diabetes management with more confidence and peace of mind. Thanks to Cybionics, now more people are able to view and share their real-time glucose data, receive customizable glucose alarms, and generate full AGP reports, all directly from an intuitive Cybionics app, empowering them with the necessary information to make better decisions about their health. Cybionics combines data accuracy and comfort of wear, which is important to us all, with a feature-rich app. The 14-day scanning-free and calibration-free Cybionics GS1 CGM aims to deliver reliable, seamless diabetes management experiences. For more, check out CybionicsCGM.com. This is the Insulone Podcast, where I, own Costello, try to redefine diabetes. In this week's episode, she was like, I realized that I was not in a relationship where someone cared about me or supported me in any way. And and so I, I ended it like, thank you for giving me an insight as to what a healthy example could be. Mm. But before we get into that, everything you hear on the Insulone podcast is from my own personal experience. And if you have any worries or issues regarding your diabetes, please contact a medical professional. Now, let's get stuck into this episode. Okay, so Ariana, we were speaking and we said, right, let's just press record, let's press record. Um, (laughs) Good to have you on, good to finally connect and chat with you properly. But we were just about to jump into uh, a conversation around the Omnipod pump and the difference between MDI, multiple daily injections and pumps. So you said you were on MDI, like insulin pens for... 15 odd years and have just recently switched. Yeah. So, um, I was diagnosed when I was 10 years old and 20 or 20, uh, 2003, 2004, something like that. Um, and I was on obviously vials for a little bit in high school. My endocrinologist was like, okay, you got to get on a pump. I was on it for one year. I had a pink cannabis pump. So cute. <laughs> Um, pink cannabis it, pump is that what you said pink animus um hated it hated it was so embarrassed by it felt like such a weirdo loser in high school wearing this like device on my body um and then told my endocrinologist that he's like you gotta wear it for a year i did and then i switched to insulin pens um, so the next 15 years, you know, I was on insulin pens. A lot of my stance on pumps was I hated it so much in high school. I did not want to go back to it. Mm. Uh, the, everything about pumps confused me, you know, I'm like, I'm like, good. I know my ratios. I know how to calculate it. I know that, you know, I'm comfortable with just injecting in public. Like, I don't need this. My A1C was fine. Um, consistently in like the sixes, um, I'm like, I don't. I don't want a pump, but because I got married a couple years ago and we're getting ready to start a family. So A1C needs to get a little, you know, tighter. My ranges need to tighten up. Um, So I thought probably time to get on a pump 
so many people recommended it, especially when going into the phase of having children. So I knew that I did not want a tube pump. Absolutely not. Because <laughs> uh, I hated that when I first did it. And I knew about the Omnipod. Um, so I thought, you know, we'll give the Omnipod a go. It's pretty small. Um, so we, I switched to it in July. And it's been awesome. I never thought that I would be a pump person. I was firmly not a pump person. But it's so much easier. <laughs> so what you should, if you're thinking about it. Well, that's something I've had this conversation a good bit recently because like I crossed my 12 year mark with diabetes there on the 6th of January and I've been using insulin pens the whole time and like don't feel like I need a pump necessarily because I'm confident with where my management is. But I'm like, why not try the Omnipod? And as as I said to you before we press record, I just see it everywhere. Like I see people mm -hmm. on Instagram using it all the time and my curiosity is kind of getting the the better of me now at this stage. So what yeah. have you found, Ariana, is like the the biggest difference for you? Because if, if you said it's such a like such a positive impact or it's a game changer, how has it been for the most part, do you feel? Um, I feel like I think about my diabetes, like the head the brain space that diabetes takes up is a lot less with the pump, which I didn't think would happen, especially because you know, you got to pack more when you go on vacation. You have to like kind of plan around when your pot is going to expire and kind of think ahead. And all of that really stressed me out. Um, I liked the freedom of just, you know, if I have an insulin pen with me, I'll be fine. Um, but I find like, I just, I think about it so much less than those three days that I don't have to change my pump. All I'm doing is carrying around my, my PDM and then just you know, picking this up anytime I'm eating or needing to adjust. So it's, it's just like everything's at the touch of your fingertips versus like, okay, I got to make sure this math is, you know, Oh, I'm low right now. So how am I calculating my carb ratio? And then, and then minusing that it's like way less equations spinning around your head. Anytime you want to, you know, make a diabetes decision. Yeah. So for anybody who doesn't know, how does it, take all of those equations away from you? Like how, how is that kind of automated in a sense? So, oh God, you know, I don't know how this thing works. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, basically, you, you know, when you first get on it, your doctor goes in and says like, okay, you have like a meeting with your endocrinologist and you're like, hey, I really want to get on the pump. And they're like, okay. So then they, they take all of your current ratios that you have from your insulin pen and uh, for MDI, and then they kind of like send it along to the person who's going to be training you and setting up your Omnipod originally. And so then when you first go in and, and do everything, then, then your trainer is like, okay, well, this is what your endo said to plug in for this and this, and here's your carb ratio. So anyways, when all that's set up and you're picking this up to take some insulin for lunch, um, it'll ask, you know, how many carbs are you eating? And then because it connects to my Dexcom G6, it will already, I can, you know, it'll already have my number in there and then adjust the, my bolus based on those factors without me needing to do any math, which I love. <laughs> <laughs> Almost hard to comprehend after years of being on a pen. Like what, and I suppose this is the important part, what benefit has it had 
Ariana, where you have more free space mentally in your mind, not thinking about diabetes as much? Um, I think it allows me to just to not like stress so much about, or it allows me to not feel as like, not responsible, but like guilty that I messed up a uh, equation or like, you know, a calculation of my bolus. Like with this, you know, I can, I can know for sure that my math is correct. And, you know, it might still put me low, but at least I wasn't the one that like (laughs) messed it up. It was like my body or like other factors. And also there are definitely like, I think that there are definitely other pumps that are a little more granular with like a lot of things in the, the automated system might be more in tune and, and people have way different preferences, but from someone who went from a, you know, MPI forever, basically to an automated pump that like, if my blood sugars go a little higher, it'll automatically correct it down. Like that's good enough for me. I'm, mm. I'm set with that. It's my A1C has gone down. So we're in the right direction. It's mm. working for me. I like it. If if it's something that I am considering, because I said I I've obviously moved to New York this year, and like I'm seeing it everywhere. So why not give it a go? What would your advice be to me, Ariana, from your 15 years of being on a pen and my 12 to now being on a pump potentially? Um, you need to give yourself some grace the first month. Uh, the uh, the system takes about a month to learn your body. I went on a vacation uh, to, it was like a hiking vacation. I went to Olympic National Park with some of my family. And uh, I was three weeks into switching to the pump. And it hadn't, it hadn't really totally gotten used to my body and how, how my blood sugars, I don't know, work. And (laughs) the system, I feel like wasn't as smart as it is now. Or even after like a month or so. And so I remember feeling my first travel day, I was like, this feels like an MBI travel day. This feels like I was high and low, you know, I like got off the plane and then we had lunch, but I didn't give insulin early enough and then sat in a car for two hours. So I skyrocketed. And then by the time we got to dinner, we had to like walk a mile to dinner. And, and so like, and then I went low and it, it kind of was like an all over the place day. And I was sitting here like, why did I even get on this stupid thing? You know, it, it, this is exactly how a travel day would be on MDI. Mm. But I just, once I gave myself a little more grace and give, gave the thing time to get to use, get used to me. Uh, it's, you know, it's so different than MDI, but also in, in a good way. And there obviously won't always be like great days. You know, I still have highs and I still have lows and I still have annoying roller coaster days, but they're a lot less than what I was used to. Mm. Does it help with, because I'm, I'm obviously aware of the fact that it kind of le- like essentially learns how your body is and kind of like, I suppose, adapts to your blood sugar and either gives you more or less if you need it at certain times. Has it made it more predictable or let's call it easier to eat foods out? Because that's obviously a big challenge for people where they eat out at a restaurant or they get takeout food, whatever it is. And like, there's always a degree or an element of just completely winging and guessing how much carbohydrate you think is in this meal. Is it beneficial in that regard, in the sense of like, if you completely under or completely over bolus, will it automatically kind of just its settings or its doses or how does that look? 
Um, no, it's probably not that intuitive. Um, because if you already like gave the insulin, it'll you know there's no way for it to to go back. But I will say, kind of just like pre bolusing in general. Like what I'd like to do at a restaurant is I'll I will order, and then it's hard. Restaurants are hard, obviously, because you don't mm. know if like the kitchen is backed up and, <laughs> yeah. and my insulin, and so I will like. Especially if there's like an appetizer, I will, or a cocktail, like I'll sit down and I'll say, okay, I just ordered this. By the time that first thing comes, you know, I'll take my initial insulin and maybe I'll take, you know, a little more than I would need. And then knowing that like we'll order right after the appetizer is is put down, at least like there's food in front. And so I kind of just, whenever I'm at a restaurant, I'm like, okay, I'm going to take I'm going to put in 10 more carbohydrates. And then like five minutes later, I'm like 10 more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's and sometimes it works great. but That's, you, that's usually a, a similar go-to approach for myself. It's like, well, I'm eating out, so I'm going to add on an additional 50 or a hundred grams of carbohydrate. Cause there's, pro- <laughs> there's probably that extra. I, I think a lot of people have experiences. I don't know if you have, but like if something is 60 grams of carbohydrates and I know that I'll put like 45. And then I'll like maybe put a little more later, but I'm like way too afraid to put yeah. too high of a number in. It's funny. And I was actually speaking to somebody about this like two a couple of weeks ago that it's almost like everybody has like a threshold where they feel <laughs> like they're comfortable with taking a certain, a certain dose and anything over mm-hmm. that. It's like, Oh, I don't want to, I don't want to push the boat out that far. Yeah, yeah you know. I've never put it 80 grams. <laughs> yeah, I know. Actually, this this reminds me, listen to this. So this is a bit of a, a bit of a story, right? So I was speaking to somebody before who was doing like this carb counting course years and years and years ago. And there was somebody on the course at the time who whose insulin to carb ratio was really low. Okay. And I think their insulin to carb ratio was like one unit per two grams or or something like that, which is considered like pretty low. Um, yeah. And so this, this person was basically telling the story that the night previous, like the night before they were doing this course, he ate a Domino's meal deal to himself. Okay. Which was like, I think chicken wings or pizza or Coke or like whatever you get in a Domino's meal deal. Okay. (laughs) And he was, he was going into detail around how he managed this Domino's meal deal insulin wise. And he, he he outlined how because his insulin to carb ratio was so low, he took 150 units of fast acting oh insulin god. for one meal. Um, which oh my god! What I about almost the get, pizza though? I I I almost get like goosebumps. Did he split his <laughs> even 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 thinking about it, crazy, isn't it? Crazy. But but he was telling this story and kind of gloating because he's like, I I got it spot on. <laughs> it was crazy. Oh my god! Yeah, I know. It's like winning the lottery. <laughs> Um, but it's funny because, yeah, I know like my, my threshold in one dose would be like six or seven units, anything above that. I'm kind of like, Oh, like it's, you know, yeah. I don't think I've taken like over, well, I have U 200, um, insulin. I use U 200 insulin pens in my pump because I was always on U 200 pens Mm. and they don't, um, I don't think that they sell them often in vials. Um, and my doctor was like, yeah, you can, you can stay on it. So it allows, it's like a more concentrated insulin so that I get 
I can use like half as much as I would if I was using U100. Mm. I, I don't think I don't think they even have that in Ireland. I've never heard of anybody in Ireland using that. Really? Yeah. I, I don't know. My doctor put me on it, I think, in college or high school or something. And mm. it's been great because I, you know, I don't think I've taken more than four units at a time ever wow. since being on my pump. No way. But back in, it's, I mean, I think the ratios are like a little different because if I'm just doing pens, like I would take maybe six or eight units at a time, even in for the U200 pens, but I think something's like a little different, but like I did, I don't mm. take more than like four units at a time. I don't know why. <laughs> so any, is your threat, is that kind of your like comfort threshold for units? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. If I did five units, I'd be like, there's no way I'm eating this much food. <laughs> <laughs> So I saw, Ariana, you recently crossed the 20-year mark. Was it 20 years now you've been diabetic? Mm -hmm. How does that yeah. feel? This is just, I always thought like, you know, this is, this is, everybody has something in their life where they're, I don't know whether it be like a different chronic condition or something that they deal with on a daily basis or this is just like the cards that life dealt me. And I'm very thankful that I have the resources to manage it and make it my career. <laughs> Might as well monetize it if I deliver it forever. Um, but it just kind of, you know, this is who I am. I don't remember. I was, like I said, I was diagnosed when I was 10. I don't remember living without diabetes. I don't know what I would do if I didn't have type one. What would I talk about on the internet? What would I complain about? <laughs> sure, we could find something to complain about. I know. <laughs> yeah. What age were you when you were diagnosed? I was 19. And this is always oh. this is always a, a debate. Like I kind of have internally at times, but I also have have had with guests that we have on the podcast and even just conversations over the years of like there's never a perfect time to be diagnosed, but mm -hmm. is it quote unquote better to be diagnosed when you're older or younger? And there's like pros and cons to both. But because I was diagnosed older, like I'm not mature at 19, but I'm old enough to realize, realize this is a serious thing and I'm old enough to essentially take care of it myself. I can't imagine being diagnosed as a kid. But Yeah, I can't imagine being diagnosed older. Yeah. It's funny, isn't it? I, I feel like I'm, if I was to be diagnosed at all i'm happy that it was younger because i don't think i would look at food and nutrition and like what my body needs as seriously mm. if i was diagnosed you know older and like in college well i don't know how i survived college not on a dexcom or a pump in general but i certainly don't know how i would like change my lifestyle mm. mid like my partying here. <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting one. A diagnosis. Yeah. And like when I was diagnosed personally, I was going into college. So it was like obviously going into college, just loads of different things that are changing and, mm. and like turning around or whatever in your life. And then obviously dealt with this adds a, an unexpected card to the deck. Let's put it that way. <laughs> but even then, I, I still can't imagine personally being diagnosed as a child. But every single person that I've spoken to, whether they were diagnosed later, whether they were diagnosed earlier, they always say they can't imagine the other way around. 
mm-hmm. they can never say they can never imagine it the other way um which is something there's something kind of nice about that because it's like whatever whatever you have been dealt you you kind of learn to manage it regardless yeah you know yeah kind of accept it what's your most vivid diabetes memory as a child do you have one um yeah so i remember when i was in i think i was like in sixth or seventh grade i always like the doctor i always had to like have a snack and like between breakfast and lunch and then another one like an afternoon but obviously when you're in school your morning snack has to be in class Otherwise, like, I don't know, I was just tired of going to the nurse's office every five seconds. And I also didn't like my middle school nurse the way that I liked my elementary school nurse. So I had these mini muffins, the like blueberry mini muffins that they still sell. I, I don't think I can ever eat those ever again in my life. I'm like so, so mentally scarred from those. Um, but I just remember like the first, I think it was the first day of school and having to take my mini muffins out and eat them and like first day of school the teacher doesn't remember that like there was a note that oh i actually have another story too but uh doesn't remember that like oh you have a type one in your class and they need to eat and and obviously there's no other type ones in my class and so i'm just like eating and then i have like the i remember the teacher having to like come up to me like no eating class and then I had to be the seventh or however old I was uh 13 year old is like advocating for myself and I'm like and then having her be like oh sorry yeah so then one I already have the teacher you know telling me that I'm doing something wrong and then everyone in class is just staring at me like why are you eating that why are you eating in class Ugh, I hated that I hated that so much being the only one because like a lot of kids are like I get to eat in class isn't it so cool Mm. but I like you know was just going into my womanhood of wanting to be cool and like have people like me and not being a weirdo uh so hated that that's one of my that's one of my diabetes memories that I do not like the other one actually is another teacher one. Um, I was doing a presentation in high school and I was uh, I was like about to give my presentation, but I started to feel really low. So I needed to go to the nurse's office. And my teacher was like, you're not going to the nurse's office. You're going to do this presentation. And I was like, actually, bitch, I'm going to the nurse's <laughs> yeah. office. <laughs> yeah. And luckily like left and oh man, did my mom have a cow. That's with it. this woman um afterwards but she like almost didn't allow me to go to the nurse's office so that was also like mm. not something that i'll ever forget so being in school was a chronic illness and it's hard <laughs> yeah I, what about you? I get the impression you seemed very passionate about you said or the way you said you hated it how what was it like what was it like as a young kid in school well elementary school i feel like was fine because I got to eat lunch in the nurse's office and I got to bring a friend and that was like so cool because we didn't have to like sit in the cafeteria, you know, like wedged between all these other smelly kids and (laughs) eating whatever our parents gave us. 
that day I got to like spread out in the nurse's office and hang out with Miss Mary and, and, you know, all my friends were like, Oh, we want to go with you to eat lunch. And so that was great because I didn't have the, probably the part of my brain that was like, Hey, you're different. This is different. I was just like, this is so cool. I'm so cool. But then obviously like in middle school, you kind of are gaining more awareness of like how you are interacting with people and showing up in the world. And you become more very aware of how people perceive you. And I started feeling very embarrassed about having diabetes, especially because when I was diagnosed, I thought it was an old person disease. I've never heard anyone, you know, remotely my age who has type 1 diabetes. Um, and just growing up into a, you know, especially going into high school and wanting to be so cool and have friends and have boys like me. I just felt so awkward. You know, that's another reason why I hated wearing an insulin pump. I didn't want, you know, a cute boy being like, what is that, a pager? Like, what is on your belt? So I was hyper aware of like how I went through the world and how I was perceived. And luckily when I got to college, I was like, I'm a type of diabetic, who cares? Mm. And then obviously afterwards, I'm like, let me post it all over the internet for everybody to see. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like a lot more proud of it. But yeah, being an adolescent with this weird, weird quote unquote disease, you know, yeah. it's hard, man. Yeah. I think as well, like it, it obviously makes it more, more complex or more difficult because like at that age, you don't even want to be different. Like all you want to do is just like be like everybody else. You don't necessarily want to stand out in any way. And you kind of go through obviously different phases of like now you're older and you do want to stand out because you're doing all these different things. Did it, a question just came to me there, Ariana, when you started to like develop that awareness that you were quote unquote different to the other people in school and you were, it seemed as though you were kind of like starting to see your diabetes as like more of a, like a negative thing. Is that fair to say? It, like socially, did that impact how you lived with it personally? Did that impact at all? Like you and your relationship with your diabetes? Um, no, actually, I don't really remember. I think like, I, I mean, my parents were very, you know, hands-on and wanting to make sure that I was always taking care of myself. And I think like, because I was diagnosed in elementary school, I feel like that was always something that was from the start, like ingrained in me of like, okay, you need to take care of yourself. Like this is important. You need to make sure you're giving insulin and, and all of this stuff. Um, whereas like, I don't know, but it was in middle school or high school where I like felt more rebellious. Maybe I'd just be like, I don't need to do that. Um, so I feel like I always took care of myself. I don't think my A1Cs really were in more of the, you know, lower range until I became an adult and really like cared more. There's only, only so much parents can do when, mm. you know, you're kind of growing up and kind of like taking the reins on your life and your disease. Um, how do you, how do you feel your parents were with the like transition of care from obviously when you're young, essentially them taking care of, to care of you a lot to you, as you say, taking the reins. Were they like comfortable kind of taking a step back? Yeah, I think so. I went to a, 
they were they're always great with like trust and i think they knew that i i took you know my health seriously i like went to the gym in high school because i was like i don't know wanting to make sure that things were you know my blood sugars were somehow manageable and like my health was a priority and, and things like that i think my mom my parents both trusted me um and I went to, I went to San Diego State for school. So I grew up in Las Vegas and then, and then left for college for four years. And, you know, they of course like would check in with me, but they were very trusting. And I think that's, I never felt like I had to prove anything to them. And I never really felt like I was letting them down, which was nice. Mm. Um, so I, I had a, I'm pretty lucky. I feel like I had a good relationship and, and a good trusting relationship with my parents where they weren't so hovering that I felt like I wanted to rebel or I wanted to mm. like, you know, get, get rid of them. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think I had someone on the podcast a while ago, uh, a good while ago, but they were telling me how their parents were like ultra, ultra focused on their management, like to the extent where it was kind of overbearing. And they felt as though because their parents were like way too much on their back all the time, which obviously comes from a very loving and caring place. But they felt as though because it was so overbearing, when they kind of took the reins as they got older, they were kind of like rebellious towards it. Because like, I don't even want to f- care about this thing anymore, mm-hmm. which is which is an interesting one. And I think that's yeah. like, not that I think about it a lot, but it's something that I have thought about that I like a part of my management that I kind of skipped because like, I love my parents and we have a fantastic relationship. And I know that if I was diagnosed as a kid, they would have been amazing, but I didn't even have to consider all of that kind of transition period or like somebody else managing for me because I got it when I was 19. And that's part, another part of my reason why I'm like, I couldn't imagine getting it as a kid, which is interesting. I also think that my parents were kind of like that because I just, I was on finger pricks, you know, there was, I wasn't on a Dexcom. I didn't get a Dexcom until I was out of college. And so I think nowadays, you know, when a kid gets diagnosed, it's so easy for a parent to just monitor their blood sugars day in, day out, always have an eye on it. Whereas like, realistically, when I went to school, my mom didn't know what my blood sugars were. And obviously, you know, it's great that parents have the peace of mind this, you know, in today today's time that um they can see their child's numbers all all the time but um i wonder if maybe that allowed my mom to just and both my parents to just have to take a step back and and see what happened and and trust even though it was probably a lot more scary for them at the Mm. time yeah i went to a wedding in last year sometime friend at home and one of the one of the people at the wedding, like a, a cousin or a friend, or whatever, they had so it was a, a a woman and her husband. They have like a two year old daughter, I believe, daughter or son, can't remember. Anyway, two year old was diagnosed type one, and I was she obviously knows what I do on the podcast, etc. So I was speaking to her at the wedding, and she was telling me like she has the Dexcom share app and all these different things, which are fantastic because you, you've, eyes, you've eyes on the blood sugar whenever you need to. But she was saying it just comes, like consumes her, absolutely consumes her because a two-year-old yeah, yeah. child like can't do anything. 
Yeah. And, or tell you maybe that they're feeling yeah. low or yeah. mm-hmm. terrifying. But she was going into detail about how like she feels as if she has it because she thinks about it just as much or more because a two year old obviously can't articulate how they feel, which is just crazy. Okay. You know, and it'll be interesting, like as the kid gets older, like how how her relationship to following, you know, those numbers changed. If mm. if it will always consume her this much, or if like there does come a point where she like will be able to, you know, pass on obviously some some trust as the kid gets older to to do everything mm. themselves. It's so it's interesting. Obviously, technology is great, and and you know we're coming so far, and and being able to, you know, have tools and resources right at our fingertips. But it's it's also interesting to think about, you know, how how the relationship between that technology and um, how we grow and what we experience as type ones shift as well. Mm. It's something I I actually think about quite a lot is the fact that like <clears throat> physically these tools like are unbelievable and like i go through periods where like even last couple weeks there was a delay in me getting my cgm so i was just finger pricking for like two weeks completely different way of management you know but (laughs) yeah (laughs) but i was doing that for nearly 10 years 10 years i know Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah but like unbelievable tools for management in terms of like the physical side of things, obviously keep an eye on blood sugar and being able to analyze highs and lows and trends and patterns and overnight bloods and all these different things. But it's almost as if it's, it's opened up for a lot of people, like an, a new degree of stress, because even though it's amazing physically, mentally and emotionally it's easier to obsess over blood sugar i feel because you have all of this data you can see it at any any time people are checking their blood sugar just as frequently as they're checking the time on their phone and it's like you're you can become obsessed over it quite easily i feel which is an interesting one yeah i think it definitely differs of of like i am a person who i love i love my own analytics Mm. <laughs> I love seeing like, okay, here are all of my numbers. I love seeing, you know, my my Apple Watch, like if I close my rings, if like, you know, I love seeing, okay, I'm putting my workout on, I'm doing that. How much sleep did I get last night? You know, like all of my own statistics. I love that. But I think a lot of people don't love that. And so I think it's very different, very beneficial for people who enjoy that. Versus like, you know, like I get more stress if I don't know what my numbers are. I hate my two hour warm up. Like the moment that the G7 Dexcom is compatible with Omnipod switching immediately. Like I hate (laughs) my G6 two two hour warm up period. Yeah, that is a perfect example of how like the condition is exactly the same. And this is something that I say all the time. Like type one diabetes is exactly the same for everybody essentially, but because the person that like the type one diabetic is so different, it's a completely different experience, whether it be mentally, emotionally, physically. Um, and that's such a perfect example. Some people hate, hate the data and being able to see too many things and other people can't live without it, which is interesting. Right. Yeah. Super. How did you find going through college? Because you said a couple of times that you're surprised you even survived. Part one of this episode 
If you are listening to this on the day of the release, part two will be out tomorrow. But if you're listening on any other day, part two is the next episode on our list. 